Hello and welcome to my blog, uh, my latest post. Today we're going to talk about um, zoonotic disease preparedness in sub-Saharan African countries. Uh, this is a plain language summary of a paper that we wrote recently. Uh, so this is, as I say, a plain language summary of a paper that myself and some of my colleagues from the Pandora group wrote about how well prepared countries in sub-Saharan Africa are when it comes to tackling zoonotic diseases. And if you want the link to the original paper, you can find it on my blog. In this article, I will go through each section of the paper separately, and I'll link to any references that I've mentioned. Uh, and if you want to learn how to read an actual article, uh, a scientific article, then you can read um, one of my other blog posts, which is called Straight from the Horse's Mouth. And again, there's a link. So some abbreviations and definitions that might help you uh, understand this paper. Uh, so WHO is the World Health Organization. JEE is Joint External Evaluation. SSA, Sub-Saharan Africa. And LMIC is Low and Middle Income Country. There are also a lot of definitions about zoonotic diseases that might appear similar, but they mean slightly different things. Uh, and I've summarised them all. And these definitions I've taken from a section that I co-wrote with some veterinary colleagues, again from Pandora, um, which is now on the Global Health Network hub page, which is about um, researching in a One Health capacity. So zoonosis or zoonotic disease is an infection that is naturally transmissible from animals uh, to humans, and it has an animal reservoir. Zooanthroponosis or reverse zoonosis is an infection that na is naturally transmissible from humans to animals, so the other way around, and has a human reservoir. Emerging infectious disease is a new disease that is affecting a population for the first time or an existing disease that's rapidly spreading geographically or affecting an increasing number of people. Re-emerging infectious disease. Uh, Re-emerging diseases are diseases that reappear after they may have been on a significant decline. Re-emergence might happen because of a breakdown in public health measures uh, for diseases that might once have been under control. They can also happen when new strains or variants of known disease-causing organisms appear. One Health. This is an intersectoral, so sort of multiple different parties, collaborative approach that's necessary to prevent, detect, and control emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases that exist at the animal, human, and ecosystem interface. One Health is a comprehensive approach to health that focuses on improving health and well-being through the prevention of risks and the mitigation of effects uh, of crises such as emerging diseases that originate as I say, in the middle of the sort of human, animal and environment sort of um, cross-section. It focuses on promoting multi-sectoral collaborations and a whole of society treatment for health hazards, um, such as a systemic change of perspective in the management of risk. Spillover infection, also known as pathogen spillover uh, or a spillover event. This occurs when a reservoir population with a high pathogen prevalence comes into contact with a new host population. A pathogen is then transmitted from the reservoir population uh, and may or may not then be transmitted sort of within the host population um, away from that original uh, group of hosts. Secondary epidemiological cycle. When the original reservoir host is no longer involved, uh, so for instance, the human tsetse fly human cycle, 
Um, and also when a disease jumps from a wild animal to a domestic animal cycle. Uh, and these secondary hosts are called maintenance hosts. One Health Research, as kind of stated before, this acknowledges the link between humans, animals and the environment when it comes to health for all. And planning a study uh, which includes all of the different sort of expertise from each side improves the health of animals, humans and the planet and will also likely have a financial benefit. Right, back to the paper. So to start with the background. Scientists think that about 60% of currently known human infectious diseases and as many as 75% of emerging infectious diseases are of zoonotic origin or as the result of a spillover event, which then establishes itself in humans. And you can find out more about zoonotic diseases on the WHO's website, which I've put a link to. Human and domestic animal populations now comprise 96% of mammal biomass on the planet, with wild species of mammals accounting for only 2% of terrestrial biomass. Uh, more and more of us um, and our useful animals means a reduction in wild spaces as we grab the land for our use, which means wildlife are more likely to have to interact with us. We're also increasingly farming those wildlife species as well, which may provide greater opportunities for diseases to pass between us and all the different animal species. To try and identify how well prepared a country is to protect itself from public health issues such as zoonotic diseases, the World Health Organization created a questionnaire called the Joint External Evaluation. They're voluntary and collaborative, so the country works aside, uh, alongside experts to identify their abilities, and it aims to identify what strategies a country has in place to prevent, detect and rapidly respond to public health risks, including zoonotic diseases. The reports score a country from one, so no capacity at all, to five, uh, which means they have capacity in place and it's so well organised that that country could train other countries on how to use it. Some of the things that the joint external evaluations measure include whether a country has surveillance systems in place for zoonotic diseases. For instance, is it actively looking for those pathogens in both human and animal populations? Are there enough people working on zoonoses in both clinical and veterinary settings? And are the various agencies, such as Ministry of Health, Agriculture or Animals, all working together to try and prevent future outbreaks from happening? The aim of our research in this paper was to analyse the results of the JEE reports from all of the countries in the Sub-Saharan African region, so that we could identify how Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole is able to cope with zoonotic diseases, uh, and whether the uh, where in the con continent and if there are any specific places or regions where the strengths and weaknesses lie. Methods. We took all of the scores for each of those strategies and put them into a really big spreadsheet. We did this for all of the different countries that had completed uh, the JEE questionnaire and worked out some different figures, such as a mean score for each country. This is where we added up all the scores from all of the different strategies and then divided it by uh, the number of strategies, which gives us the average score for each country. This helps us to identify roughly how well each country did compared to the others. A cumulative mean. We added all of those mean country scores from the step above and divided it by the number of countries. This helped us to identify how well Sub-Saharan Africa is prepared overall and meant we could compare it to other um, regions in the world. We compared the mean country score uh, for a specific section um, on zoonotic diseases 
to the country's overall joint external evaluation score. Um, so that takes into account other things such as how many people they vaccinate, what infection prevention and control policies are in place, um, AM, AMR preparedness, that kind of thing. And this score helps us to see whether the country is prioritising zoonotic diseases. If the zoonotic diseases score is lower than the overall score, it suggests that the country is not well prepared for dealing with zoonotic diseases. If it's higher than the average score, then it suggests the country has prioritised it and is doing quite a good job of fighting it. We also separated the scores into African regions, so East, Central, West and Southern, um, to see whether any particular regions were better prepared for tackling zoonotic diseases than others, which could help when it comes to trying to work out how to train um, countries with less strong scores. Results. To show how well prepared each country is for tackling zoonotic diseases, we made a map, which you can see on the blog. This map has a traffic light colour system, so if the country is red, it means it got a low score and it isn't very well prepared. It may not even be considering zoonotic diseases at the moment. If it's coloured yellow, it's sort of prepared, so it's doing the right things, but there's still a lot to improve. If it's green, it means it's very well prepared and could be used as an example of how to try and prevent or control zoonotic disease outbreaks. As you can see, most of the countries um, are yellow, which means that they have either limited or developing capacity. Um, so not terrible, but definitely room for improvement. There are a few countries with green and there are also a few countries with red as well. Other results that we found were that the strongest scores across sub-Saharan Africa were in the veterinary workforce category. And the two other categories were surveillance and response mechanisms. This means that most countries had a good number of staff, both clinical and veterinary, who were trained to recognise zoonotic diseases. The weakest scores across the continent were in the response mechanisms category. Improving communication between clinical, veterinary and environmental sectors could improve zoonotic disease response. Southern Africa had the highest score across all of the zoonotic disease categories, suggesting that other countries could learn from what Southern Africa has implemented and adapt their policies and strengths to their own situations, because it's important to remember that one size definitely doesn't fit all when it comes to zoonoses. 30% of sub-Saharan African countries had veterinarians in all of their districts, and 70% reported undertaking national surveillance for one to five zoonotic diseases. 70% of sub-Saharan African countries reported having public health training courses on zoonoses in place for their veterinarians. And when countries listed what they defined as their most important zoonotic pathogens, and 43% of countries had an approved priority list in place, the most commonly cited were rabies, highly pathogenic avian influenza, anthrax, brucellosis and bovine tuberculosis most of which are classed by the WHO as neglected zoonotic diseases. A multi-sectoral action plan, so agreed by multiple different ministries and One Health approved, um, for zoonotic outbreaks was in place for 14% of countries. The conclusions that we made were that zoonotic diseases category for sub-Saharan Africa, Africa was the fifth best score out of 19. Um, so zoonotic disease preparedness appears to have the attention from most sub-Saharan African countries. There was a big range of scores, however, so some countries scored very highly whilst others scored very poorly, and this suggests that some countries have more measures in place than others, which is probably because of the, ge uh, the geography and the types of pathogens that commonly occur, 
So some countries might have might not have to deal with very many zoonotic diseases, whilst others might have to deal with many um, every year. The fact that the response mechanisms category scored lowest across all of the countries suggested that if all of the various ministries and organisations work together to form an action plan and response team, this could make the biggest difference as to how well the country might be able to prepare for and control a zoonotic disease outbreak.